says, Daniel, I'm going to explain everything to you so you feel super comfortable with how all this is rolling out and my purposes and plans. Nowhere does God ever say that that's what he's going to do for me. God actually values not my understanding, but my trust. God, who's a good God, who created us, he doesn't need us to understand. He needs us to learn how to trust him in the journey. Because when we trust him, that even though we don't see, we do see because we know that God is God. Why is the chorus that plays throughout your entire life It may have been louder in childhood, but it's just as present as an adult. You want to understand what's going on and why it's happening. Well, as you'll learn today, God invites those questions, but he doesn't always answer them. Pastor Daniel explains that God values your trust. He wants you to trust him for your life to reflect your belief that he's good and can handle whatever comes. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 139. As he continues his message, God thinks about you. Jesus is Good old Einstein. Can everyone agree that Einstein was a pretty smart dude? And he had great hair? <laughs> Einstein said, I want to know God's thoughts because all the rest are what? Details. See, he's saying, listen, in all of his learning, he's like, I want to know what the Almighty knows. I want to know what God is thinking about. I'm here to tell you, God's thoughts are found in God's word. And brothers and sisters, you need to be people of the book. Because what I want to tell you is, is if you allow our culture to feed you its thoughts, then you will think like this culture. And if you feast on the word of God and allow God's word to tell you his thoughts, then you will see the world as God sees the world and it will be completely different. So you got to ask yourself, whose thoughts hold the most weight in your heart? Because here's what I want to tell you. Maybe along the way someone told you that you're not worth it, that you're not good enough. Maybe someone who, you, you know, I fell in love with this person and then they left because they told me that I, I, you know, I was not nice or I was never going to be successful. And you hold on to that thing. But what's amazing is, is God's word tells you that God loves you and God is for you. Somebody maybe told you that you're disposable. God says, man, listen, I want, I'm going to redeem you for all eternity. Someone along the way may have said to you, listen, you will never amount to anything. And God says, no, no, I'm going to place my Holy Spirit within you, and I'm going to set you apart, and I'm going to call you, and I'm going to empower you. If you ever want to know what does God think about me, all you need to do is look at the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ teaches us everything we need to know about how God sees us. Because the cross teaches us two things about all of us. First, that you and I are more jacked up than we'd ever, ever tell anybody. And being jacked up is not like I'm jacked up like Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the day and I'm so, I'm so ripped. It means like you're broken. The cross, Jesus died on the cross because we're broken. Because we're flawed. You never tell anyone you're as actually messed up as you are. But the, Bible, but the cross doesn't only tell us that we're jacked up. It also tells us that we are loved with a greater love than we can ever imagine because God loved the world so much. And if you ever wonder, who am I? What does God think about me? All you have to do is look at the cross. Now, I know there's some of you, you're hearing this, you're like, well, Fusco, that might be fine for you, man. But, like, you don't know about my story. Listen, you're right, I don't. 
But the God who knows your story, the God who's always been everywhere, who knows everything about you, who knows why you did what you did, not even why you did what you did, but the, the habits behind the reasons why you did what you did. He, see, he sees you more clearly than you could ever see yourself, and he still says, come to me. Let me take your sin. Let me take your shame. Yeah, you're broken, but there's no brokenness or sinfulness that is beyond the power of the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. And that's the gospel. But we only get there if we weight God's opinion rather than someone else's. Like, we live in a culture today, they call it the cancel culture. Because our culture, it's, it's like a secular version of righteousness, which means you always have to do everything right, which is a riot, really. Because what, people don't change? People don't realize? How many of you realize that you were really, really not that smart like 10 years ago? Yeah. How many of you think your parents were out to lunch when they were, you know, when you were growing up? They just had no clue. All you young people, your kids are going to think you're out to lunch. Like, that's what happens. It's like we look over time and we're like, thank God I'm not what I used to be. But our culture says, someone fails, we cancel them. Jesus says, someone fails, we redeem them. And so you look at it, and I was talking to someone, it's not cancel culture, it's consequence culture. I'm like, well, bro, then you need Jesus because the, con- the wages of sin is death. I mean, being canceled on, on social media is nothing compared to being eternally separated from God. It's like, we live in a culture of consequences, but Jesus came and said, look, although you deserve damnation, I'm going to not only save you, I'm going to invite you in my family, I'm going to see you with my Holy Spirit. But if we do not weight the thoughts of God above the thoughts of our political culture, our divided culture, our social media culture, our superficial culture, then we'll never actually see things for what they really are. We'll never actually live in true freedom. This reminds me of Psalm 92, verse 5. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. I love that. God thinks deep thoughts, which is challenging to a superficial culture, isn't it? I was just talking to someone the other day. They don't believe in Jesus. They're like, man, so, like, you know, you believe in Jesus? Yeah, you're a pastor. Yeah, the Bible's full of contradictions. How do you deal with that? I'm like, it is full of contradictions. They looked at me. Really? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, bro, the Bible's deep. Like, God is God. And I'm like, you know, you you want it to be like a a pop song. Man, the Bible's jazz. (laughs) Like, like, it's like, it's designed to make you think about things. And we live in a culture that everything is like a little gotcha phrase. And it's like, listen, God's word isn't just a bunch of gotcha phrases. Like, God is God. This stuff is deep. And bro says, I want to encourage you. If you become a person who wants to think God's thoughts, then you have to be, you can't be surface level. I always like to say, if you rake, you get leaves, and if you dig, you get diamonds. I never met someone like, oh, I got this leaf engagement ring from my spouse. It's so beautiful. He just went on out, you know what I mean? He just like kind of got some, some things and he tied it together. No, it's like, you, you know, and they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. That's what the culture says. God says, Jesus is your best friend. Can I get an amen? See, I did that. I'm such a pastor. So funny. But here's the deal. It's like, in the word of God, are you, are you raking or digging? I want to encourage you. Let's be, this church is designed for people to go deeper in the word of God. And not deep weird. Not deep esoteric. But when you find something in the Bible that's confusing, do you ever think that God puts confusing things in the Bible just so we'd seek them harder? 
God's like, listen, I don't want you to be on the surface. So do you ever think that God doesn't answer your prayer right away because God wants to draw you deeper into his heart? He wants to teach you other things. You just want the answer. You want the outcome. God's like, actually, I want to change your life. But we often don't think that way. But if you see in the Bible, that's what God does. Like, you think about from the earliest prophecy about the coming of Jesus all the way back in the book of Genesis, it was thousands of years until the Messiah came. Be like, why was God waiting? Well, maybe God wanted to wait for the Greek empire to come into power after the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Medo Persians, if you guys remembered and weren't sleeping through world history. The Greeks came, and what did they do? They developed infrastructure all through the, the known empire. And then the Romans came, and they took the infrastructure to the next level. And then when Jesus came, the gospel got out in one generation at a time. It would have been impossible without all the roads and all the infrastructure that was there, the commerce cities, all these different things. So was God smart in doing what he did? You bet your bottom dollar, Daddy Warbucks. Come on. But why didn't God do it sooner? Well, because God's got a different plan. And this kind of drives us into the second thing about this. Notice first it says in verse 17, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Now this goes without saying, but really what we learn here is that God's thoughts are numerous. So like in some ways, if God's thoughts are precious, this speaks to how we value God's thoughts. God's thoughts are numerous speaks to the intensity or the overwhelming nature of God's thoughts. And really what we find here is David is really speaking as a created being to his creator being like you are ultimately unfathomable. Right? And again, we find David now, because God is all-knowing, he's always everywhere, because he is the creator and sustainer, David is worshiping now. He's like, God, I can't even fathom just the sheer volume of knowledge that you have, the thoughts that you have. And then he goes on to say, if, if I were to count them up, they'd be as the sand. Now, who here has ever pondered how many granules of sand there are on every beach that's ever existed. Anybody got that number for me? Nobody wants to take a shot? I mean, try, I mean, how many granules of sand would be in a handful of sand? Just, I, I can't even, it's infathomable. And that's exactly the point here. Because really what's going on here is David is aware that he is a creature and he is contemplating his creator, and he's really, I can't even fathom the thoughts of God. And of course, the Apostle Paul, in the same line, says it this way in Romans eleven thirty three: Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And can I be honest with you all? This is important because the biggest mistake all of us make is we think that our thoughts... Like, we have it all together. We have this pride that comes from our education that we're like, man, nobody gets it. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, that's pride. And any person, no matter how much you get before the creator God, is just like, man, I do not know what I do not know. And there's something very freeing because one of the big issues that I think we have with God is that we're always thinking we need to fill God in on what's going on and what he needs to do. Am I the only one who prays that way? Like, Lord, let me tell you what's going on. As if the Lord is not omniscient and omnipotent and, and omnipresent. It's like, let me fill you in. And, and we try and like school God on what's happening. And then we try and convince God to do what we want him to do. That's what prayer is. 
Now, how crazy is that in light of what we're talking about? This just happened the other day. You know, there's nothing more fun as a parent when your kids are growing, right? Because you realize that there are all sorts of things the kids don't know, but there are some things that they do know. So, so in our neighborhood, there's all these dogs, right? And, and, and we love dogs, but there's one dog that's a little dog. And how many of you ever have seen a little dog that's really mean? Yeah. Now, I, I'm of the opinion that the little dog isn't really a mean dog. He's just a scared dog because he's a tiny dog, right? Now, if, if you have a little dog, keep that dog on a leash in Jesus' name. Because <laughs> there's nothing more scary than when like, that little dog who's mean comes, he's going to, like, bite your big toe. Like, so, it's no, so our neighbors have that dog, right? And so it's so funny. So my little Annabelle, she loves to play with, with the younger kids in that family. But when she wants to go over and knock on the door, she brings a walking stick. I'm like, why are you bringing the walking stick? She's like, if that dog comes out, I'm going to hit the dog. I'm like, well, don't hit the dog. She's like, either the dog's going to bite me or I'm going to hit the dog. So I'm like, don't play golf with the dog, but I understand it. So, it's like, so I'm like raising Tarzan, you know what I mean? She's smart. She's a modern woman. She's not messing around. She's got her mace. She's got her walking stick. She'll, that dog comes up. And... So sure enough, we're walking. Me, my youngest Annabelle, who's seven, so fun, and my wife, my bride, Lynn. And we're walking, and all of a sudden we see the dog is off the leash and is a little way ahead. And then it goes, oh, Daniel, the dog is out. And then Annabelle, who's like a seven-year-old female thumb-sucking version of me, because she's so cute, she's got pigtails, she's like, I'll take care of this, Dad. And she starts walking towards the dog, like with her chest out, like, right? And, and, and like, Lynn's like, oh, she's totally you. I'm like, she totally is, right? And all of a sudden, my Annabelle starts yelling at the dog, saying, net, net. Now, what's funny is, is the dog, our neighbors are, speak Russian. Right? So she's like, net, net. I'm like, Annabelle, what is net? She's like, it's Russian. For no. Now, all my Russian-speaking friends in here, is that how you say no in Russian? Net. It's not. So I'm like, Annabelle, it's not net. It's net. She's like, no, it's not. And she's like yelling at the dog, net. Nets and, I, and, and she's got her chest pushed out, and I'm like, and in and, and this moment, this happens yesterday, I'm like, this is how we are with God. We're like telling God that no in Russian is net and not yet. And when God's like, no, it's actually yet. We're like, no, it's not, God. I know, because my friend is Russian, and they say net. And I'm pretty sure that most of our prayers are like that, right? Where we're like telling God the deal and we're like, God, this is what you're supposed to do. And God's like, yet. <laughs> That's not what we're doing. But we're so fixated on what we're doing. And we haven't gotten to the point where we're like, the things that God knows are so far beyond my comprehension. What if what God is doing has nothing to do with what you think it has to do with? See, this is, as we've gone through this whole pandemic thing, that's constantly what God is speaking. He's like, Daniel, you don't even know what I'm doing right now. You think this is about vaccines or masks or government overreach? I am doing so much right now. And I'm like, oh, some of you are mad that I just said that. that as if God, the all-knowing one, could have something beyond you getting people riled up about masks or vaccines. Come on. When in the Bible what Jesus says is it received exactly what he's saying? It never does. But we get all worked up about this stuff. And we're like, I, and God, you need to fix this. And, and God's like, See, and when we come to terms with the fact that God's thoughts 
have the most weight and God's thoughts are beyond our comprehension, then we step back and we say, God, you know what? I trust you, even if I don't get it. And that's very freeing, isn't it? Because many of you right now, your issue with God is that God hasn't explained to you why he did what he did. And I'm here to tell you, nowhere in the Bible does it say that God owes you an explanation. I know it's a hard word in the midst of pain. But like, God never says, Daniel, I'm going to explain everything to you so you feel super comfortable with how all this is rolling out and my purposes and plans. Nowhere does God ever say that that's what he's going to do for me. God actually values not my understanding, but my trust. God, who's a good God, who created us, he doesn't need us to understand. He needs us to learn how to trust him in the journey. Because when we trust him, that even though we don't see, we do see because we know that God is God. And I believe that's a word for some of you right now. You're mad at God because he's not explaining it to you. God never said he was going to explain it to you. What if God, in his infinite wisdom, chooses never to explain to you what he's doing? Now, can I tell you something? For those of you who are parents, you know what this is like, don't you? Could you explain everything to your kids right away? No. It's like when you're driving. Summertime, beautiful out, sunny out. So you're driving, and you're out of cell range. You're in the country. Sun is out, and all of a sudden the car breaks down. You got no cell reception, deserted road. And the kids go, hey, mom, are we going to be okay? Every mom says, yeah, we're going to be just fine. But on the inside, mom's like, oh, no. I have no cell reception. I hope someone comes, but I hope they're not too creepy when they show up. You know, it's like... It's like, but you don't tell your kids, I am so freaked out right now. This is all bad. I shouldn't have been on this road, and I should have gotten a better cell carrier. And you don't say any of that, right? You say, no, no, we're going to be fine. Now, why do you do that? Because you love your kids. And, and it, listen, if you're one of those parents who tell your kids everything, stop it. <laughs> if you love your kids, you'll tell them. Like, especially if you understand where they are on the journey. I had this conversation with Annabelle about something. Annabelle heard a word, and she's like, Dad, what does this word mean? And I'm like, oh, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> she's like, well, should I say it? Don't say it. <laughs> but it, it, has no, it has no meaning. She's like, well, why would they say it? I'm like, I don't know, but don't ask them. You know, like, because I just don't want to have that conversation with her. That's when she's seven. If she's 15, it's a different discussion. But at seven, we're just going to keep you singing, let it go, dressing as a princess, and we're fine. And that's just what I call good old-fashioned parenting. Can I get an Amen. And if, if we, being evil, do this with our kids, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who's perfect, know that, listen, you can't handle the truth? Like, is that, you know the reference, don't you? You Gen Xers and Boomers, you know the reference. You younger kids, you'll get there one day. It's a meme. Don't worry for the kids. But, but the idea is, like, God doesn't tell us that he's going to explain it all to us. And it's not even God's purpose. Because you know Why? When God doesn't explain it to us and we still choose to seek it out, we grow. When God chooses not to explain it to us and we trust him and keep following him, we grow. Like when Jesus invited the apostles to follow him, did he say, listen, come, and what we're going to do is we're going to go here and then we're going to go here. And then after three days, we're going to go here. And then you're going to get in a little trouble because you're going to say this and this. And then, but what the way, we'll work that thing out. And we're not going to eat that much and you're going to be doing a lot of praying you know what I mean? And you're going to be confused a lot, and then I'm going to die. And then I, no, It's like he didn't tell them, like, the whole plan. He just said, come, let me do what I want to do. And a lot of the apostles followed, and a lot of times people are like, yeah, I'm out of here. 
But when you realize that God's thoughts are numerous beyond our comprehension, then now it frees us up to trust him. And if you're in that place where you're like, man, I'm struggling to trust God, don't forget, God knows exactly what he's doing. Our Bible is the testimony of that. Now, there's one more part of a sentence that I want to close this message on. Look at the end of verse 18. It says this. It says, when I awake, I am still with you. It's it's such a simple line. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. And when I'm awake, I'm still with you. And I I love that I get to end the message here on this point. And it's simply the point that God's presence is everything. God's presence is everything. And my greatest hope, not only for the Crossroads family, but for the people of God as a whole, and really all of humanity, my hope is that people become more and more aware of God's presence. Because if God is omnipresent, he's always everywhere, then there's no such thing as being away from the presence of God. So so if you think about it, you are always in the presence of God. And actually, everybody is always in the presence of God because in him we live and move and have our being no matter what our faith position is. But for the follower of Jesus, it gets even better because when a person puts their faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence within the heart of the child of God. And it's the actual tangible presence of God and our awareness of God's presence that is, I believe, the game changer in how we become radiant people. It says it this way, Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, oftentimes people read that verse and like, oh man, it's speaking about heaven. In your presence is fullness of joy. Actually, The Bible teaches that God brought heaven down to earth in the person and work of Jesus himself. So in God's presence is fullness of joy, and at God's right hand where Jesus sits is pleasures forevermore. And think about how profound this is for us. Because I've been meditating. Just the other day I was meditating on uh, Exodus 33. You might want to write it down and look at it later. You remember the story, right? Like God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, right? And, 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 and God is, has done this amazing work. And then God has Moses go up on the mountain to receive the, the, the Ten Commandments. But, you know, it all goes bad. He gets the Ten Commandments. That's cool. He comes down. They've already broken all ten of them. They have the golden calf. It's all bad. And Moses gets mad, he, he you know, slams the things down, he breaks the tablets of stone, it's like, this is a mess, right? And then in a, as God is doing this work of restoration, which is what God always does, God tells Moses, okay, I want you to go into the promised land. And he says, and my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses says, well, Lord, if your presence doesn't, presence doesn't go with us, don't lead us from here. Jesus is God's presence is everything. Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's teaching by sharing his hope for you and every other person out there that you'll become more and more aware of God's presence in your life. God is everywhere at all times, and he's with you right now. Living in this reality will change your life, bringing you peace, comfort, and boldness because you're not alone. Then you, like Moses, will say that the place you most want to be is wherever God's presence is. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, 
And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will keep traveling through Psalm 139 to see how it helps you to live life at street level in light of who God is. The next few verses, while seeming to come out of nowhere, are important to understand. Pastor Daniel will explain that God's people need to hate what God hates, and that doing that has the potential to transform your life for the better. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Radiance. Until then, may God bless. We need